0: one of the reasons i love to do that is because <laughs> we're all pretty much walking around perpetually stressed and you know confused and overwhelmed and like we're drinking water out of a fire hose and so anything yeah. i can do to simplify or make a a concept feel more accessible or bring down the noise uh, you know i'm all in to help yeah. optimize the human experience Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness
1: Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body. And I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show, I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited to introduce my guest tonight. I have known Deirdre. I don't even know how many years now. Actually, several, uh, more than several, because it was several pre-COVID. So, uh, <laughs> Deirdre is a healer, a yoga teacher, teacher therapist, artist, and she she works with people to to get to know themselves better through something she has called Soul School, which sounds really interesting, and. Yoga teacher. Let's just go ahead and get on with the interview. Welcome, Deirdre Wilcox. Welcome to the show. Thank
0: you, Karen. It yes. has been many, many years and possibly even a few lifetimes.
1: Yeah, possibly. Exactly. So, thank you for being here. So I I let's just start off with a basic background. Um you do so you do yoga, you teach things about intuition and inst- gut, gut instinct and all these things. What was your personal story to arriving to how how you are in the world today and what you teach other people to do. Just like, did you grow up in like a super spiritual house or did you develop this later?
0: Um, I didn't grow up in a spiritual house. Actually, we grew up in not a strict religious home, but we were raised as Catholic and, you know, we went to mass every week and my family was practicing Catholics. Um, That said really early on as a little girl, for sure, starting around nine, I remember distinctly sitting in mass one Sunday morning and having this awareness that it wasn't the right place for me and I wasn't resonating with what was being said. Mm. But even more than that, I started to study the room carefully. And I came to the conclusion that most of the people there were not being present, mm. really connecting to what was being said I felt like they were there out of duty or obligation and so the whole thing felt false and I thought I can't really say this to anybody but I'm going to sit and and just observe this and so you know even then I started watching the priests and at some point when I was pretty young I said to my mom I started to take issue with Um, why don't we have a direct connection to God? Why would we need to go through someone in a confessional? And, you know, I had all of these questions. Wow. Yeah. um, Starting at nine or 10 about how the whole thing didn't make sense to me. And that if God was God, then God doesn't need to me to go into a confessional and talk to someone else who's equally human and fallible and tell that person, a man, what all my issues were and then be forgiven by this person vis-a-vis his power with God. I mean, none of it made right. sense. Right. So it started young. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, nine years old, that's really young. I was also sitting in the the church, the Catholic church at nine years old, and I had none of those thoughts. I didn't know why I was there, but I definitely had none of those thoughts. I, I guess I was late to the, to the show. So, okay. So at nine, so then did you, what, when did you start becoming active? Like, so you're a yoga teacher. How did that unfold for you?
0: Um, Before being a yoga teacher, I actually long felt a calling toward the healing arts. Um, And originally my plan was to go to med school. And Mm. then I changed my plan. I still wanted to do something that would be helping to helping people to feel better or somehow improve their lives or their experience in their lives. And when I went to college for pre-med um, it didn't feel resonant. So I switched to a psychology sociology track
1: oh. and that
0: was super resonant and I loved it. And so I got my degree in that. Okay. And then um, it didn't feel right to, what I used to think of, which, and this is no offense to anyone because I know many therapists and love them. And I think it's amazing work, but I just didn't want to sit in a room still with someone and, and just do that kind of talk therapy. I thought there was something more body, mind focused that would be more productive and more helpful because we don't just live in our heads. We live in our whole system. Right. So I went down the track of getting um, licensed as a massage therapist. And then from there as a registered yoga teacher, because I felt like I was missing a movement physical component from the Mm. hands on piece. Mm. And then I did some studying for um, many years with a amazing teacher named Judith Aston. And she was combining the mind, the body, the emotions, and then bringing in, the idea of the neural pathways that we create with our thoughts, our postures, our emotions, our activities, and how those neural grooves start to shape us um, and begin to more carefully not only shape who we are but start to either expand or limit our experience based on those patterns because we get to default settings and we start to groove deeply into patterns Right. and so even when there are other options or experiences we may no longer see them because we're too grooved into our pattern hmm And so my interest has become through the soul school, through my private practice and in yoga is to basically shake up the snow globe and see things from a different vantage point, get to know ourselves in a different way, make friends with our shadows and our inner critic, name our superpowers so they can be used to our advantage and use those to help with the shadows, so that as we get to know ourselves, and we can clearly name and articulate the pieces, we can then see what needs more work, what needs um, expanding what needs to be brought down a little bit like if, for example, You know, when I'm parked in my small space, as I call it, if I get critical or judgmental, that's one of my shadows. So what can I do to work with that so that it's advantageous, meaning I can be really discerning in a room and pick up a lot of details. That's the lighter side. But the darker side is I use that same ability I have to look closely at something and then I could name what's not working about that. And is that actually really helpful sometimes? So all of our things are on a spectrum. I feel like they're, and they fluctuate depending on how well we're doing emotionally, if we're taking care of ourselves, you know, where we are personally. So we're fluid. So how do we work with this ever shifting fluid self, even though, and without question that we have these core central pieces. So what the core central pieces to me, identifying that who are we as a soul having a human experience, and how can we optimize that experience so that we're living in a more soul aligned way. Mm. And that is my passion and so I do it in whatever modality I'm working in, or if it's the yoga classroom and um, doing things that aren't always predictable, or encouraging people when they might be going out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I, I will use a lot of teasing or a lot of humor, and I say, you know, you might not be comfortable, but it's called a practice, and this is the wonderful place to explore what you're to test your nervous system a little bit, to see, you know, do this slightly differently than you're used to doing it or, um, inhabit the pose or the movement without a preconceived notion of what you can or can't do so that you're not already setting up a limit or a failure before you even start. Hmm. So, um, the soul school is that on steroids, basically. Really? Wow. (laughs) Well, it sounds like that
1: would be a very long involved process, you know, finding the soul's alignment. Yeah,
0: it is. It's a lifelong practice.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: yes. But actually, it's not as involved as you might think. Um, meaning that, yes, there are a lot of pieces to look at and to sort out first name and then begin to integrate. But we have a lot more wisdom and clarity than we think we do. Yeah. And that's where, for me, the intuition comes in. I think if we can use that internal sense with more confidence and with greater application then we can cut through a lot of stuff and get to really being who we are with more acceptance and more compassion and fewer apologies.
1: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So, so you brought in the intuition. How does that unfold for a person if they, they don't know what it is, they don't know how to use it. So how would you like define it? Or what would you say it is? And And how a person can use that for themselves.
0: I think one of the places somebody can start is honing that sense that we all do in little, in little, um, how can I say this, kind of in a mundane way. Like, for example, every day, most people get up and choose to wear whatever clothes they're going to choose to wear. But some days, they go for the black because they feel that that's the right color. And if you say, why don't you wear the red sweater today? Nah, that doesn't feel right. Mm. You already are doing it. Why Mm. doesn't it feel right? It just doesn't. And then you put on the black sweater that you wanted to wear. And you're like, yes, this is the sweater for me today. Um, Or the experience we've all had, like if you, you know, borrow someone's coat or someone's sweatshirt and you put it on and like, you're grateful that you have it for whatever reason you might need it. But it's not yours. It doesn't feel right. You wouldn't keep it. It doesn't have your imprint. It's not your color. You just know it doesn't feel right. And so that feeling of it doesn't feel right is the departure point for what is right. So we already can identify that, right? Somebody will say, I feel like eating pizza tonight. Well, why don't we do Chinese? No, I feel like pizza. Yeah. You just do. And so it's developing that innate discernment that we have. And a lot of times we just do it not understanding that we're already doing it. Like, I don't know. That's just how I feel. With intuition, you just know. So the way I practice it, or I started years ago, is literally with those things. Like, I don't think about how to explain this easily easily. Like instead of using my head to make decisions, I imagine that there's a little magnet and the magnet pulls me in one direction or another more. So I used to practice by walking around the U district and different neighborhoods in Seattle. I would start out with no plan. Okay. I would walk out the door and Mm -hmm. I would wait. I would say, just imagine for fun, a magnet's going to pull you down to the right sidewalk or it's going to pull you down the street to the left. And so I would start there. And then at the next choice point, I'd imagine not my head, not like, oh, I like that street because that's where Hagen does is and I can get a scoop. <laughs> I'd say, I'm just going to be pulled down this way. And I would just keep asking, where's the pull? Where's the pull? And just find my way using the pull.
1: Would you have an end idea in mind? Never. Like, never. Okay. No,
0: because that's already compressing it. That's already putting a structure on it. So that was just practicing. That was just to get my internal sense of being drawn in one direction more than another. Okay. And the way that you can start to trust that you're being drawn is that it comes from lower down in the body. It doesn't come from the head. So if you're in thinking mode or it feels like you're up in here, that's rarely your intuition. The intuition is literally at the gut level. And, you know, as we're beginning to find out, there really is, you know, the microbiome um, is the gut and you have those gut feelings. And probably the gut feelings are because there are so many neural connections between brain and gut, between heart and gut, heart and brain. And so the gut feeling is a true physiological phenomena. Right, right. So like we came with all of these apps. We just have to activate them, download them and use them. <laughs> That's
1: right. Hit the activate button. Yeah. So you must have people that say, I can't tell the difference between my my head and my gut. D- do you?
0: All the time. Okay. Yeah. And it's hard for us to trust that because we aren't raised to trust it. Right. We don't right. live in a place that encourages it. You know, we, we always say, what do you think? And I'm more likely to ask what's your sense of it Uh because it invites you to come from a different place. Okay. And so when it is coming from your head, there can be a sense of being um, a little bit primed, a little bit activated, a little bit um, there's more tension, tension, There's more of like an almost like an amperage that comes from the head. It's questioning, it's not sure when it comes. If it's coming from your intuition and you have that sense of knowing, always there's a sense of calm. Mm. It's just even if it's this fast of a calm moment, okay. It's there's a resonance, there's a peace, there's a trust, right? You don't doubt it. Mm -hmm. It's just. In the calm space, you're like, yes, that's the thing. Yeah. The challenge is we have such a hard time getting to that calm, quiet space that we spin out in our head all the time, spin and spin and spin. So true. So true. So how would you advise someone
1: that um, says, you know, I got this job offer across the States, you know, I'd have to move 20 hours away. I don't know if I should pack up and move. I don't know what's best. How would you, and they, and they, and they say they can't trust their intuition. They don't know what their intuition is. Um, Any ideas or tips on how they might be able to get clear with that?
0: One place to start would just be to go ahead and humor the head and get that off the table. So I would ask the head or the busy mind person to write down all the reasons you want to go Mm
1: -hmm.
0: write down all the reasons you don't want to go. Just write both of them down. And then once you do that, look at it for a moment. A lot of them are going to be more secondary or superficial than others. So circle the top one or two on each side. And then consider if, you know, run the line a moment. If you go, there are these wonderful things. And if you don't, there are these losses, but there are also these gains. So there's loss or gain on both, but the gain, is it what you really want? If the job offers you $40,000 more per year, but the The loss is that you're gonna be lonely. You're gonna be away from your grandma who you love so much and doesn't have much time left on earth. You're not gonna be able to stay with the horse that you love. Someone will take care of your horse, but you won't have contact with your horse. You know, those things. Suddenly that 40,000 doesn't seem very important. Right, right. Or it could seem important, but for a limited time. Okay, I'm gonna do it for two years. So there's a lot of discernment that happens. And I think the the back and forth is our fear of committing to one or the other. Mm. So in your mind's eye, play it out, commit. I see myself saying, yes, I'm going to take the job. And for the first moment you feel elated, like, yeah, I made a decision. Seconds later, there's a cascade of anxiety of all the reasons like you're freaking out that you said yes. Yes. Right. Probably not your job. Yeah. (laughs) Because if you commit and say yes, and there's some nervousness, but overall there's more excitement than nervousness, then it's probably the right job. So it's the excitement versus the nervousness that even if you're out of your comfort zone, more of you is pretty psyched to try this new thing than not. And if most of you is really anxious and stressed out about it and you're kind of talking yourself into it, yeah, but those health benefits, yeah, but that 40,000, probably right. not. right? So that again, though, you're back to the cerebral, yeah, the worrying and the excitement, the heart, the soul that recognizes this is an amazing opportunity. Let's go for it. Right. What do you
1: like to study as being in the field that you're in What, what interests you kind of on the outside to further your own personal growth?
0: I have been, um, a chronic and obsessed student for so many years (laughs) that I've come to a place currently where I really don't want too much input. And (laughs) I think it might be a pausing place, um, Mm Uh-huh. But I really have done <laughs> over the top studying and um retreats and classes and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because I'm curious and I love to learn. Right. right. Um, so currently what I'm doing is just being with all that I have learned and the practice is to be able to speak about it, to work with people, to not keep so much of it inside, because I feel like for years and years, I just did it for my own enjoyment, but never broadly shared it or talked about it. Mm -hmm. So the practice is the application of all that I've learned. That's my current teaching is learning to do that, even at, you know, the learning curve of feeling uncomfortable or you know, thinking people are going kind to of think God, she sounds like a wackadoo.
1: <laughs> I know. For me, it it goes in cycles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I learn a lot. I learn a lot, and then it's just like need some time to integrate and to think about it, and you know, which way am I going to go from here? And actually, I just I have to ask this question: Have you ever done the Clifton Strengths um, person? I don't know. It's not a personality strengths test. Uh huh. No. Because um, it sounds like you might be like me. One of my top five strengths is learner. And what it means is that I like to learn, but then I like to teach people what I learn. So so it sounds like you like to learn, but then your application of that learning and maybe helping others with it as well.
0: Yeah, you know, that that resonates. That's interesting that you say that. Um, And one of the reasons I love to do that is because we're all pretty much walking around perpetually stressed and you know confused and overwhelmed and like we're drinking water out of a fire hose and so anything I can do to simplify or make a a concept feel more accessible or bring down the noise uh, you know I'm all in to help optimize the human experience but you know to your to your question I do read a lot. I love to read. And so I will randomly pick something up or if I feel pulled to go in a bookstore, I will just walk in the bookstore back to the magnet thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I'll just allow myself to be drawn to an area and then I'll just wait till a book pops out and then I'll open it. And inevitably there's something there. So that's a lot more fun way for me to learn now is just to be guided or just to let spontaneity and serendipity get me where i need to be
1: yeah yeah i like that serendipity
0: so speaking of books do you think i have you
1: you have have you written a book you haven't written a book have you i have not written a book <laughs> but do you have a book in you is there something you want <laughs> to teach people via a book
0: i have this um guiding principle in my life oh. that when i hear something three times i really start to listen then And so the reason I started to laugh is because I've heard this just recently. And so I'm beginning to ask, do I have a book?
1: Oh, (laughs)
0: Because I keep getting asked if there's a book or I'm going to write a book. So um, thanks to the environment around me and people like you, there could possibly be a book. Yeah. It sounds like there might be. Maybe there is. You must have picked up something in the field obviously and it could be something that I resolutely don't want to look at and so others have to say it to me <laughs> It's just when
1: I when I come across people that have that really love to help people um and they're not in it just because they want to force what they know on other people but they want to, the other people to to thrive and they want to help them do that then sometimes the more people you can reach, you know, the better, And mm. it, you know, one-to-one is awesome. And it might be the best, most effective way for some people, but it's not accessible for everyone. And I'm not going to tell you wh- what your career holds, but it was just a
0: thought. So, oh, come on, Karen, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. I so, think that is what's on the table though, you know, on, on the soul level, mm-hmm. you know, is exactly what you're saying it you know it's I love the work I'm doing in the in the small groups in the soul school but um how can I make it more accessible to people who maybe don't have that kind of you know time or financial resources or aren't able to right Um, my resistance is though that sometimes if we get a lot of um tips or a little easy book or a pamphlet yes it opens doors but then we Can mistakenly think we're developing a skill set that does take time Mm. and focus and daily practice or you know that we need to put a little bit of traction on the tires and because we live in a culture that wants everything to be quick and right away and we aren't as good on the longer path of study and application right um that that's the thing i need to sort out for myself yeah yeah.
1: So how do you separate um how do you balance work and life or you know work and pleasure work and whatever whatever you do besides work and it doesn't sound like it's work work like someone going to a 9 to 5 in the office but there still must be some need for your own creative outlet downtime kind of thing right
0: Absolutely I am really an introvert I and if I didn't have that time I wouldn't be able to do the work I do. Mm. Um, so when I'm not, you know, working with people um, in the various capacities in which I do, um, one of the things I love to do is a. As I alluded to, I love to read. I just find reading relaxing, and it transports me to a different place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I love to do art. You know, I'm an artist, and I do a lot of work with mixed media. And so that is an entirely different part of the brain. I'm not interacting. I'm not talking. I'm really just listening to my own intuition. If I'm looking at a piece like today, I was working on a tree that i am working on. And I thought, don't think about where that string and that paper goes. Just start putting it down and just trust that when you finish putting it all down, it's going to be exactly the way it needs to be. Stop thinking about it. And I'll spend time doing that and so i belong to a, um a gallery the core gallery in pioneer square and i'll have another show there in july and so these trees and um spirit guides and things will be in that show and so nice
1: i nice. stay
0: in connection with that part of me the art is another way of expressing that but it's a way that's just for me at home by myself with my animals. Um, I'm crazy for animals. And so my animals are a big source of joy and connection for me. Mm-hmm. I love to travel. Um, that feeds my soul and gives me entirely different experience of life. Yeah. Of course we haven't been able to. Um, right, right. Looking forward to traveling, being back in my world. Um, and I like to just spend time with friends in sort of a one-on one or small group situation so that there can be time to connect more than in a a busy social, superficial way. you know, those those things ground me to be with people I love and trust, the art, the animals, um, sitting quietly and doing absolutely nothing for thirty yeah. minutes, but taking in the changing light outside the window, yeah. Yeah. nature trees i'm insane for trees so they're a big part of my world and balancing myself
1: oh nice i like that i agree i love the evergreens on my property in fact one of my part of my morning practice is to sit and connect with my trees mm, so, oh my gosh how wonderful yeah yeah my trees um i have what i call my sister tree on the property and um she has gotten me out of some tricky situations. So I appreciate her a lot. And that's, that's never been shared with my listeners before. So there you have it.
0: It's, love that you have a sister tree. What kind of evergreen? Is she a cedar or a sequoia? She, cedar. My favorite. Cedar. Yeah. I yeah. have a real kinship to cedar.
1: Yeah. Me too.
0: <laughs> Is there anything you just,
1: you like, you know, if you could teach everyone in the world something right now, it's like, Anything you wish everyone knew?
0: I wish everyone knew how to use their breath therapeutically to help themselves feel however it is that it would most benefit them to feel in the moment. Oh, interesting. Breath is one of our most powerful therapeutic tools we come with. And it isn't just be aware of the breath, but really connecting to not just the fullness of the breath, but you can use breath to feel more energized, to feel calmer, to feel more in balance, to feel more grounded, to feel warmer, to feel cooler. You know, there's the breath has so many um, applications. And if we just got the basic concept down that a longer more mindful breath and the four parts that we inhale and there's a natural pause there and we exhale there's a natural pause there if we even followed the four parts of the breath cycle consciously for three breaths randomly a couple times a day it would start to change our picture just that little bit really yes And we would also understand that we inhale the oxygen from the trees, exhale our carbon dioxide, they take that in, or carbon dioxide, they take it in. It's a reciprocal relationship. The trees take our breath and we take their breath. So if we even thought about that part of the breath too, that it's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In connection, isn't it?
0: In connection to everything else. But more in connection to our intuition, how can we hear our intuition if we can't calm the snow globe and settle it? Mm. There's shaking it up so you get out of your pattern, Mm -hmm. but there's also settling it so you can see what's actually there. Mm. And the breath is that. It's settling the snow globe so you can see what's actually there.
1: I like that analogy. That's Yeah.
0: And the other thing, whether people believe it or not, and I'm sure many don't, but I do feel like we are all guided at all times. We may not be open to the guides or to hearing the guides, but they are there standing by. And if we just would invite them or acknowledge that help from all that is, or however you see it, it doesn't need to be labeled, but that at all times there is guidance. Yeah. And is that something you
1: teach in any of your classes or with any of your clients or that's just. For sure. That's all
0: part of soul school. Okay. Um, Okay. And when I work one-on-one in my um, body work and emotional support practice, I absolutely remind people that they're guided, that they can trust, you know, start to trust their intuition. I say, well, what does your body say? And if I can get past their head, Mm. um and ask questions in a certain way then they'll it's surprising what they say and i say you did you hear what you just told me about your ankle you know so actually they know more than i do i know nothing i can just facilitate or draw it out right i don't have any answers for them
1: yeah wow that's fantastic any anything else we should have covered that i neglected to ask you that i forgot about you are um you are just full of fantastic information (laughs) you are
0: you asked a lot of really good hard questions so (laughs) give yourself credit for that um no I think I've said what needs to be said yeah I just would I would just ask people to particularly when the inner critic is going crazy to just for a moment remember the spark of the divine that's in each of us and just to say to the inner critic thank you i've heard from you i i and i know what you think and i'm going to put you on pause i'm going to redirect to my soul self thank you because we all have that critic raging so much of the time and that also is interferes with our intuition our yeah. capacity to feel guided we're so not true. worth to be guided right Who would want to guide us? We're such a
1: mess. (laughs) So true. So So for the listeners that are curious about working with you, what are you, do you only work locally or do you work online at all? And why don't you tell people where in the world you are and how they can find you online?
0: Well, in the, on the planet at the moment, I'm in Seattle and, um, online, they can find me at my name, Deirdre Um, and there is some information about, I run a, um, a class called quiet mind on Friday mornings. It's 30 minutes of breath and meditation. Each one is different each week. Anyone can join from anywhere. It's a zoom class. Okay. The link is there. Um, it tells where I teach yoga classes in Seattle proper. Um, although there's a men's class yoga, just for men that's online. Okay, um, that anyone can join from anywhere at any time. And then the private sessions, of course, would only be able to happen in Seattle. But what I do for people that aren't in Seattle is people either call or we do a Zoom um, in terms of problem-solving something for them. It could be a physical issue. It could be just wanting a safe-sounding board to f- start to figure out some pieces to put in place. Um I wouldn't call it coaching necessarily, but more a deep listening and then using my own intuition and what they've said to just reflect back to them what they already have, but may not know they have information wise. So I do um, more and more of that on the phone or via Zoom. Okay. So that's another way to reach me. And then the soul school is actually not even on my website yet. Uh, My website needs to be updated, but I am going to start another group soon, Um, one or two groups depending. Um, And we usually meet on Sunday afternoons, one time per month, and we commit to doing it for six months. And then you can stop and reassess if you want to continue.
1: Nice. All right. Yeah.
0: So to contact me or ask me about any of those things, that information, the email, my phone number, you know, someone can call or text, however, anybody wants to reach me in the dream time, maybe I'll, and I'll have all the
1: links um, also on the show notes. So it'll be linked with the show. So thank Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it very interesting. I appreciate
0: you asking me. Thank you everyone for
1: listening and I look forward to connecting with everyone later. All right. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to revkarenpodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to revkarenpodcast.com. I hope to see you there.